You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. If you've heard it once, you've heard it maybe a million times. There are a lot of job openings in the state of North Dakota. That's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because if you're someone seeking opportunity, there are plenty of them available. It's a curse if you're trying to fill some of those openings and you think you can't find the right people or you can't find people at all. Well, you're not alone. Um, This is a competitive environment. Workforce development, talent attraction is a very, very competitive business. It's competitive in the private sector where private companies compete, sometimes steal, by the way, talent, because that's just the way we've done things. If you're a state or a city or a municipality or even a country, you're always looking for talented people to fill openings, and we have plenty of them. Lastly, when you're in a state like North Dakota where the unemployment is really low, some people kind of have a tendency to kind of take you off the list because they think there isn't an opportunity there. If you look at the top 10 states with the lowest unemployment, I'll guarantee you, and I think the number one is probably Maryland, and then the bottom of that 10 is Utah, I think. And they're all low, 1.5, 1.3% to 2.5, which is virtually almost unemployment, I guess, or full employment, excuse me. But they all have openings, and they're all competing, and they're all competing with the state of North Dakota, and they're all competing with my guest and her team who are doing an absolutely incredible job for the state of North Dakota. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Katie Ralston Howe to Mike Seminary and Friends. Katie is the Workforce Development Director for the North Dakota Department of Commerce. Katie, welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. It's great to see you. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. That was really a long-winded intro, wasn't it? You know, there's a lot to say when it comes to workforce. (laughs) You're so good. (laughs) There is a lot to say with, with regards to, to workforce. And by the way, let me first say thank you. Thank you to you and your team. It is, um, if, if you get to the bottom of the well when you're digging, in this case, you have to keep digging because it is a well of opportunity that never ceases to uh, end for you and your team. So my first question is this. Why did you pursue this wonderful opportunity? Because you had, you were kind of a mover and shaker. You still are in in, in Fargo, Moorhead with the chamber. And what, what drew you to this opportunity? Gosh, well, um, as you mentioned, I, I used to work for a local chamber of commerce um, right out of graduate school. And while I was there, I ran a youth entrepreneurship program and loved working with students and helping them build their ideas and um, launch real businesses. And through that work, um, my role kind of evolved as it often does when you're working in a small organization, people are wearing lots of hats. Um, But my role started to evolve to working with an initiative that was really focused on economic and workforce development. 
in the Fargo-Moorhead, West Fargo area. And that's really got where I got my first taste of workforce development. And I decided that that was something that I really wanted to lean into and do on a larger scale. At the time, there really wasn't an opportunity for me to make that my sole focus within my role. And there was an opening within the Workforce Development Division with the Department of Commerce under a commissioner that I had long respected. I was familiar with her and her work through um, the Fargo-Moorhead West Fargo business community. And I saw an opportunity to learn from someone that I really admired. And so I uh, jumped in and uh, applied for a role with the Workforce Development Division at Commerce four years ago this month, actually. So celebrating my anniversary um, with the Department of Commerce this month and have it's been a wild ride uh, since I started, but I've really been enjoying it. And you're doing a great job, by the way, and I'm, I'm glad that you responded to the opportunity. You didn't mention her by name. I will. Michelle. Michelle was really, I think that's the, was that the last time we did strategic planning? No, it was Jay just before her. Yeah, she just uh, was a rock star. I think the world of her. And I'm sure you learned a lot from uh, Michelle. She's pretty special. Mm -hmm. Next question. We're at virtual full employment. That, I mean, that's what 1.5 or 1.7 percent unemployment says. But in fact, that's not the case. And it's really difficult. Uh, if you if if you go and Google opportunities, openings in the state of North Dakota, you're going to get a, a number of different numbers. And every single one of them are low. You'll see 12,000 to 17 to 19,000. What is somewhat close. What is the real number of opportunities that are available right now, October of 2023? Okay, I love this question. So right now, we as a state, um, through the Job Service North Dakota platform, we have um, just over 14,000 jobs posted. Now, you'll often hear leaders in state government say that we have about 38,000 jobs available. And I'll break that down for you. Um, first, there, there are some caveats to understanding that 14,000 jobs. So first of all, that's based on the number of jobs that are listed on the job service website right now. Employers can, if they choose, post their jobs on the job service website free of charge. And we encourage all employers to do that. Um, our, our system does have the ability to spider out to companies to pull their job postings that are on their company website, but it only does it for companies that I think have 25 employees or more. Well, here's the kicker. 75% uh, of North Dakota companies have fewer than 10 employees. So there are a lot of businesses that are not being reached by that spider system. The other catch is that there are a lot of, um, you know, industries where we see mass openings, but they only post it once. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is a really good example. <clears throat> As a healthcare facility, I might post that I need a nurse, but I'm actually hiring 50 nurses. We see it in um, with CDL drivers. We see companies posting one, but they need 10. 
And so we do estimate that there are more jobs available than what's posted on the job service website. If we were really to double it, we'd be at about 28,000. But lately, I've, I've been doing just kind of my own research, digging into the numbers a little bit. Because when I started with Department of Commerce four years ago, we said we have 30,000 jobs available and the jobs posted were probably right around where they are now, maybe just a little higher. But when I looked at the total number of people employed around this time in 2019 compared to where we are today, we have an increase of 23,000 workers in our workforce. And so I do start to wonder is that 28,000 or 30,000 number truly accurate when we are seeing an increase in workforce participation in North Dakota? So not a direct answer to your question. There's a lot that goes into calculating what that number of job openings truly is. But I do think it's really important that we look at the number of workers in our workforce too, because we're seeing some success there. And it's, it's really important that we mm. share that side of the story. Well, safe to say, thank you, Katie, for that information. It's safe to say that irrespective of what the number is, if it's 14,000 or pushing 30, that, well, 14,000 would represent about, was that 1%? No, 10% of our population would be 70,000. So that would be 2%. It'd be mm -hmm. 2% of the population. If it's more than that, obviously, obviously it's more than 2%. And the other thing I would add to what you just covered, when I was in the radio business, the person that I went to work for and then became the general manager for his company always ran ads on his radio stations. And back in the day when he had KQWB or Q98, KQWB is hiring for salespeople. If, if we're equal opportunity employer, da, 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 if you're interested, call this number or stop by the station or send us your qualifications. And he did that for a number of reasons. One, you never know when you're going to lose somebody. And if you don't have inventory, when you need it, you have a problem. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. In the radio business, our competitors would always say, well, they can't keep people. They're always advertising. When in fact, we were always advertising because we didn't know if we'd lose somebody. But here's the more important reason. If Katie Ralston Howe walked in the door, you want to make sure she didn't walk out the door to go to across the street to a competitor because that, that kind of a candidate you want to find an opening. You want to find a way to get them involved in your company. So my point is, is that, yes, there are companies that always have openings uh, because of the nature of their, of their work and the nature of turnover. Turnover is reality. But there also are employers, especially the real smart ones that are visionary, I don't mean to imply anybody's dumb. I mean, the really smart ones that are visionaries, they're always sifting. They're always looking for who's the next Katie or who, who's the next Doug Bergam or who's the next whoever the person might be, Michelle Comer. And if they walked in the door, you want to find them. 
So thanks for, for, for covering that. So we have opportunities. Mm-hmm. We have openings. And they run the gamut. They from, you know, everyday labor type of jobs, which are really important. I had those when I was in college. Uh, two openings in the medical profession, in the oil fields, sales, marketing, you name it. When, when you go about your job with your team, how do you focus on the task of, and I'm, I'm going to use a very specific tool that you have in your toolkit. How do you focus on find the good life and how to use that to help you more effectively do your job, which means serving those that have openings? Mm-hmm. That's a long question. I'm sorry. Nope, that's that's quite all right. So um, the first step that, that I would say is really looking to the Workforce Development Council um, to help us narrow our focus on where we should be um, dedicating our resources and efforts. The Workforce Development Council is a federally mandated industry-led workforce board that really drives the development of the state's workforce strategy. And so we have 32 members, 51% of our membership comes from the private sector. And we really look to them to say, all right, what should we as a state be doing to address our workforce needs? And so um, this this revival of Find the Good Life, and and I say it's a revival because several years ago, it was a, a workforce marketing campaign being led out of the Department of Commerce. And I think they had really great assets, but we weren't totally sure how many people moved to North Dakota because of their interaction with that campaign. And so as the Workforce Development Council is developing a recommendation that stated, all right, we need we need a dedicated national talent attraction campaign. Uh, we as an agency said, yes, we agree, but we have to be able to track it. We need to be able to measure the impact of um, not just the marketing, but we need to be able to tell the the public how many people are engaging with this program, how many people have moved to North Dakota and accepted jobs because of the support they received through this program. And so um, we, we relaunched Find the Good Life as a more comprehensive talent attraction strategy with some um, programmatic resources behind it in June, 2021. And so at that time, we didn't have a ton of financial resources. So it was, uh, we had, you know, a year where we were pulling together what we could financially to make it work. And because it was successful, we were able to get increased funding to really build out a robust marketing strategy and uh, some interesting talent attraction programs related to Find the Good Life to help people come to North Dakota, learn about the opportunities we have here and eventually make their move. So, you know, focusing on on that task has been, um, it's been challenging, but in a really fun way. I mean, we, we get to solve the state's number one problem every single day. And we're doing it in a unique way that we're not seeing in other states. And now other states are coming to us saying, hey, tell us about what you're doing because we can see that it's working. The council, Mm -hmm. but that almost sounds like 
a mafia kind of thing, and it shouldn't be. The council. Is Mr. Farnsworth still on the council? Gosh, you know what? He just finished his term. Um, Dave Farnsworth was the chair of our Workforce Development Council for 12 years and was on the board even longer. And so um, he he may get the award for most dedicated board member. And, and we appreciate his vision and leadership and we'll sure miss him. Yeah. Now, obviously, I, I, I know him. And the reason I mention him by name one of the smarter people I've ever met, but he has this great vision too. He has this gift of being very, very intelligent, has vision. And there's just this wonderful demeanor about him when he's presenting his case or whatever the case might be. Um, and again, and the other reason I bring up, he's a great leader. He just, he gets it. We're all replaceable. We'll all find a replacement, but he will be one that's kind of hard to replace. So, I, and the other reason I bring his name up, you must learn a lot from somebody like Dave. Absolutely. He, I mean, he had been chair for, like I just said, 12 years. And so when I came into my role four years ago, he was a tremendous mentor for me. And he was really a part of helping us evolve the way the Workforce Development Council operates. And so having his support and his partnership through um, just throughout the last years was tremendous. So I learned a lot from him on a national level. He really is so well respected by uh, his peers as um, chairs of state workforce boards across the country. And he was vice chair of the National Workforce Board Chairs Association um, as well. And so having him as as a partner in crime was tremendous and so he'll really he'll be missed but he's not going too far and so he's always a phone call away when i'm going to talk about the assets that north dakota and resources that we have and some of those that some people might think are kind of a negative or a drawback like weather i happen to be one that doesn't feel that way when uh so you've had two opportunities in terms of sessions, legislative sessions, to meet with legislators, uh, be prepared to give testimony, and request for funding, and here's how we use the money, here's our track record, here are the opportunities that we have, here's who we're competing against. When, when you're in session, and, and of course, legislators, a lot of times sometimes say, you know, um, we're going to make it really hard for you to get your money because you have to sell us. I appreciate that. Sometimes not, but I appreciate it. How Have they been um, pretty receptive to the great opportunity in front of the state when it comes to the role that you and your team have for really leading the economic development charge in our state? Uh, short answer is yes and no. And I'll tell you why. Um, going back to, although I've had two full legislative sessions under my belt now, I also had a really unique special session in 2021 where we had, uh, you know, a, a large tranche of American Rescue Plan Act dollars that the legislature was appropriating 
And so we used that opportunity to, as a council, submit uh, a handful of recommendations to the governor's office for some workforce initiatives we believed would be meaningful investments of our ARPA dollars. And through that, um, we had two that did make it in uh, as bills with the, the special legislative session. And we were able to get $20 million for um, what we ended up turning into three different programs, two of which were pilot programs. One, we had been funding with other federal dollars. And so we were able to continue that program. And that was really critical for us because prior to that, that special session, our workforce development division was quite small and more narrow in scope. And we had a very small budget. Uh, I think when I started with the agency, it was around $7 million with, you know, a couple small grant programs here and there. We didn't even have an operating budget. And so now we were able to use the funding that we received in a special session to build out some pilot programs so that when we came back to the legislature earlier this year, we were able to say, here's where we're seeing success. This is why we deserve increased funding to build out these programs even more. Because before that, we didn't really have a track record that we could look back to. And so although we didn't get everything we were asking for, I do think that we were successful because we walked away with far more investment than we had in the past. I think right now we're at $45 million to invest in dedicated workforce development strategies that are much more diverse than they were even five years ago. And so I had a conversation with one le legislator and I said, gosh, you know, the legislature just hasn't invested in workforce development. And he said, well, that's because we haven't seen a lot of progress, but I'm, so I'm saying, but you haven't given us funding to drive results. And he's saying, well, you need results before you can get funding. And so it's a, what comes first, chicken or the egg? And so for us, the real game changer was um, find the good life where we use some discretionary dollars and the, the ARPA funding that we received in 2021. And now we're in such a good position to build a really great story going into the next legislative session in 2025. So in four years, the budget has grown uh, six times, roughly. That's a significant increase. So now let's talk about some results. What type of activity are you seeing and let's just use like the let's just use this year, twenty twenty three. What kind of results? Uh, and, and I'll use twenty twenty three for a couple reasons. One, there's all sorts of national barking when it comes to what's the economy like, um, how's inflation impacting you, where are the opportunities, um, the the border crisis. Uh, the Ukraine crisis, and by the way, we have to talk about the Office of Legal Immigration before we conclude, so don't let me forget that. Sure. What what kind of results are you seeing during the course of 2023 in terms of driving activity to whatever portal it is, whether it's the website or whatever? So walk us through 
with the results that you're seeing and the best way for people to reach out to you and your team in the state of North Dakota? Sure. So uh, I'm just making a note about your question. You ask such good questions, Mike, but there's a lot to answering them. So um, one of the one of the biggest areas where we're seeing great results is through a new program that we that we built with that ARPA funding I was talking about, which is the Regional Workforce Impact Program, or RWIP, which I accept full responsibility for a terrible acronym, but it's been a tremendous program. And it was really born out of communities uh, coming to Department of Commerce or Job Service or CTE, you know, different state agencies saying, we've got this really great idea we want to address our workforce needs. Do you have funding? Well, the short answer was, no, I don't have funding. And even if I did, I don't have a way to just cut a check for every great idea I hear. And it happened so often when I first started with the agency. And of course, I was brand new in the position. So a lot of people were coming to me asking for you know, for funding for their ideas. And so I was thinking, do I have a checkbook that nobody told me about? Because I don't know, I don't know where all this is coming from, but <laughs> but really where it was coming from is that people wanted to do something about the problem that they were seeing right out their front door, but they didn't have the resources to do it. And so when we had this opportunity in 2021, the Workforce Development Council said, all right, what if we create a funding mechanism for locally led workforce solutions. And we jumped on board and said, that's a tremendous idea. And we got it funded um, with $15 million the first time around. And so we created, we at the Department of Commerce created a unique grant model that, you know, it's a little trial and error. We're, we're, we are figuring it out the first time and we'll be re revising it a little bit here soon as the program goes live again. But what we did is we took the $15 million and we reserved a portion of that funding for each of the eight planning regions in North Dakota based on their population. We required a 25% match because private match dollars can sometimes be a barrier to accessing grant opportunities if the match is too high. And so we thought this is accessible for regions of all sizes and we required because this was I mean, this was so new and when you spread 15 million dollars across the state every region had anywhere from one to three million dollars you know not huge but also this was so new it came in the middle of a biennium so there wasn't a ton of time so we we made it work and we required that every um, region submit one application that could have multiple projects so what happened is we saw partners being economic development, regional planning councils, um, cities, chambers of commerce, all coming together saying, what are the biggest priorities in our region? And how do we prioritize funding to create the biggest impact for our communities? So we saw this tremendous collaboration happening and through that, we have 63 projects that we're funding statewide. They range from um, skilled workforce training, career exploration, childcare, affordable housing, um, talent attraction, the list goes on and on. And we saw a lot of 
um, creativity. So in terms of results, all these projects are in different places. Some have completed, some are right in the middle, some are still just getting off the ground. Um, when it comes to childcare, we have um, 33 childcare facilities statewide that received funding to increase um, childcare slots. And so we saw 1,600 new childcare slots open up as a result of this program. And it's been fun now to see them start reporting how many workers are impacted by increased access to childcare. We have um, a number of school districts that were also impacted um, through their participation, through increased career and technical education exposure. We saw a lot of rural communities um, coming together to purchase mobile labs so that they're all able to have exposure to curriculum that they might not be able to do full time, but they've got shorter um, shorter uh, units that they're able to utilize these mobile apps for. So we're, we're feeling really good about that program. Um, it's one that will relaunch here in the next couple of weeks. We're changing it structurally a little bit. We learned a lot the first time around. And so we'll, we'll make some changes as we move forward. Um, but in terms of results, that's a program that we're really proud of. Um, in terms of uh, contacting our team, I know it sounds basic, but within the Department of Commerce, we are really receptive to, uh, you know, phone calls, emails. We're so we're we're always happy to talk to whether it's business owners, individuals, community leaders about the resources that we have available. My whole team's contact information is listed on our website. Um, and so I think that's the, the easiest way to get a hold of us. But we're we're pretty mobile crew and we're happy to go to where the people are. And thank you for doing that, by the way. And thank you for listing phone numbers. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm an old fart. I, I like the ability. I, I, I'm tired of emails. I'm tired of texting, even though I do both too much. I really prefer picking up a phone and, and visiting with somebody. Thank you. Going back to child care, I remember when this first became a significant point of discussion. And I, it, I remember like, and I may have been one of those people partially to blame for this conversation. I used to say, oh, wait, we didn't have child care when I was growing up. This is how everybody handled it back then. Times change, conditions change. Uh, and I've, I've, here's what I've come to learn. Uh, first of all, you can't compare today to yesterday because things are different. And here's some of the things that are different. Cost of living is different. Cost of mortgages are different. Cost of cars are different. Cost of health. Everything is more expensive. Some things proportionally way out of line, by the way, I might add, Um and so if a couple wants to have children and they both want to have careers, there is a problem. And the problem is qualified, dependable, accessible child care. It's a pro and in some parts of the state, it's worse than others. And it's not inexpensive either. So my question is, is part of the 
ongoing discussions during sessions, how could we do a better job of addressing the community of North Dakota? How could we do a better job of addressing that very critically important need that must be satisfied for people to be as engaged and productively engaged in the workplace? How how could we do a better job, Katie? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that one of the one of the shifts that we made um, with an effort that was being led out of the Department of Health and Sur- Human Services as it relates to the uh, working families child care package that was introduced this session is we really framed it as a workforce issue. Of course, there's child development, there's the human service side of it, but when we look at the impact on companies of all sizes throughout the state of North Dakota, uh, it affects everybody. Even if you don't have children, it can still affect you. If someone, if a, if a colleague is missing work because their childcare fell through, well, then maybe you're picking up the slack or what's the, the loss of product productivity for the company as a whole, or even when you have friends and family members volunteering to pitch in, there's an effect there too. And I'll using myself as an example, I have uh, a nephew and, um, I mean, this effect, this was more when we, when we lived in Fargo, which we don't anymore, but there were a couple times where, you know, childcare would close the room that he was in because they didn't have staff for the day. While if mom and dad are both, you know, they've got things at work that they can't miss that day. There were a couple of times that I, I mean, of course, as a proud aunt, I don't mind doing it. You know, I said, you know, I've got time in my day. I can take the afternoon off and I'll go, I'll go watch him for a few hours. I was happy to do that. Just like my parents are happy to drive to Fargo to spend some time with their grandson. But there's an, there's a ripple effect to the childcare issue that I think we need to start quantifying in terms of dollars because money talks. And that's, um, that's a message that I think resonates with employers, with state leaders and with legislators. When, when we have people uh, from other states looking at North Dakota for, for their opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there are other states that they have on their list of consideration as well. Uh, share with us, what are the, the the qualities and assets that we have that really reach out and grab them? And then what are the one or two that cause them to go back and cross their arms and say, I need to think about this these things are all lining up great, but this one or two here, uh, I don't know if I can deal with it. What what are they? Gosh, I think, um, you know, what really gets a lot of people is the quality of life that we offer. Through our Find the Good Life um, pipeline, we do ask, and it's voluntary, not everyone's going to answer the questions that we're asking, but we do ask people what are you looking for in a community? What's really important to you? Is it uh, is it great schools? For a lot of our uh, job seekers that are currently in the pipeline, yes, great schools are a priority. Is it a safe community? That's another big one. Is it having, um, 
you know, big city amenities within close proximity in a small, tight-knit community. That's another big one that we see a lot of people uh, really drawn to. They like they like coffee shops, breweries, they like outdoor activities. Hunting and fishing remains at the top of the list for job seekers that are coming into our pipeline. And North Dakota, of course, has no shortage of activities to do outside. And so those are the things that we're seeing from people that that stand that seems to be stand, standing out right now. Um, when it comes to what might deter someone, and I don't think that this is necessarily specific to North Dakota, lack of affordable housing can be a challenge for, for some job seekers and their families. Lack of childcare, like we were just talking about is another one. And these are, there are factors related to talent attraction that are somewhat outside of our control, but we still have to figure out a solution for, and we've got to work with communities on identifying ways that they can help address those challenges so that their communities are places that people can move to. You know, we had um, a really good example. Well, not good, but it is. it does highlight the issue. Um, earlier this year, we had a, a young couple um, both of them worked that were looking to move um, to a community in in North Dakota, and they found a house. They were ready to put in an offer. They had both accepted jobs, but they couldn't find childcare for their six-month-old. Well, guess who didn't move to North Dakota because they couldn't, you know, they, they were going to be moving to a place where they didn't have family support around them to help close the gaps when it comes to childcare. And so there, there are those deterrents that I think might prevent people from moving here. But those are things that we're working together with communities just to help solve for. The other thing that we have to be realistic about that can be a barrier to relocating is just the cost of moving. For folks who haven't relocated in a while, it can be very expensive <laughs> just to drive the moving truck from you know one part of the state to the other but we've heard some of our find the good life um, uh, movers talk about how much they paid in moving expenses alone we heard one from um you know the eastern part of the country pay fifteen thousand dollars to move to north dakota another from upstate new york paid twenty three thousand dollars to move to um, the west fargo community that's significant, and that's not something that every job seeker has available to pay as they look to relocate. So those are some of the deterrents. We don't have solutions for everything, but, but we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, by the way, if you're someone that's thinking about moving, do some purging first. Yeah. We just did it a year ago. And I'm getting ready to purge again because I've made the decision. Self-storage is not going to be in my future anytime soon. If I had to do that, means I have too much stuff, which means I have too much crap and I have to get rid of it. Okay, that's enough of we, my seminaries lecturing in philosophy. No, I agree. We just moved in December and got rid of a lot of stuff. So Could you have gotten rid of more? Yes. And now that we'll be moving again, I have another opportunity to purge again. 
Well, if you want it on your podcast, let people know how to get hold of you so they get some of your stuff. You just go ahead and do it. This is your time, not mine, Katie. <laughs> right. Katie, how, how big a team do you have? I should have asked this question when you mentioned the budget went from seven to 42 million, whatever it was. Tell me about the staff changes from four years ago to now. And then secondly, how have tools changed to make the job for all of you? I don't want to say easier, but more effective. All right. So we've evolved a lot. When I started with the Department of Commerce, there were three of us. One left short, shortly after I be, um, shortly after I started going into the COVID-19 pandemic, there were two of us in the workforce division. Oh my God. One uh, is, is um, primarily focused on administering our federal AmeriCorps program. And so because of that federal relationship, he's, he's dedicated there and then me. So we kept we kept the boat afloat uh, for for several months, just the two of us. And now fast forward to today, we have nine people on our team and we actually have two vacancies that we get to fill later this year, maybe first part of next year, since we're already in the middle of October. But we've we've just seen such a tremendous transformation with our team and the truly the way we're serving the state has evolved. So when I when I look at the tools that that we have available to us now that we didn't when it was just two of us trying in total fight or flight mode throughout the pandemic, you know, our technology has evolved. Our our agency just implemented a new CRM system that's really helping us streamline how we manage our grants. Our our division continues to be pretty heavy on the grant side because that's one way we've identified to really support communities and businesses in addressing their workforce needs is by giving them the financial resources to do so. So having a system that allows us to really track that uh, and to streamline the application process has been super effective and it saved us a lot of time so that we're more efficient in the way we do that. Whereas before, I mean, it was kind of trying to figure out on our own, you know, Excel spreadsheet tracking some of the some of the data that was coming in while also keeping track on the fiscal side with our financial system too. Whereas now it's a one stop shop, which has really helped us a lot. Um, and I so I would say maybe that's that's the biggest one. We're still learning, and I think as AI becomes a tool that we're able to use in state government, I think that's going to help us a lot too. And one area that we've already been utilizing it is in relation to our Office of Legal Immigration. And we've been able to kind of translate some really complex federal jargon that is, you know, talking about a really complex um, immigration system. So we've been able to utilize AI to pare that down so that it's more consumable for the average uh, reader. And so that's, you'll be seeing some of that come out as we continue to build out the website and affiliated resources for that office. So that's one tool that we're starting to dabble with, but I'm really looking forward to fully implementing it. Mm. I was going to make a comment about artificial intelligence and federal government, but I'll leave that to the minds of the listeners. The, <clears throat> You mentioned CRM. Did you say 
a new system or you you now have CRM or is it it's a new oh, CRM system? It's a new CRM system. We had CRM um okay. client relations management tool. We did have that before and we've we've just implemented an updated system which is creating a lot of efficiency across commerce. We're also learning by it's it's a little more advanced than the one we had before. So we're really pleased with with this new mm. this new system. I remember how you and Michelle was at the helm at the time. I remember how you and your team of two turned on a dime during COVID. Uh, the what Department of Commerce did in each of its departments was nothing short of amazing. It literally was, you guys turned on a dime and were doing things that were not part of your history, not part of your job description, if you will. And you guys just killed it. You just absolutely killed it. Thank you. Well, thank you. We we have the best team. I Of course, I'm biased, but I just, I think we've got the best team in state government at Commerce and we we made it through together. I mean, we've the same people who were there in 2020 are still there today, and um, we I'm pretty impressed too by the work that our team was able to, to accomplish. The um, job openings in North Dakota and find the the good life and all of the tools at your disposal all the openings that we have. When people start coming through the funnel of interest and they're looking to see if this is the right fit for them, whether it's North Dakota, the opportunity, um, and those things attached to either one or both. How long does it usually take from there's a, there's a, you're at the bakery, somebody just took the number. That's they're in the door. They have the number. They're looking at what's in the display cases. I don't know if I want, you know, red velvet bunt cake, or if I want, uh, you know, this donut over here. Whatever the case might be, this caramel, whatever it is. So before somebody gets to number twelve, and then walks them through that process. How long does that normally take? Where I've grabbed the number and I'm now walking through the system in North Dakota before I'm in, or I'm going to wait and think about what, what kind, what's the timeline for that? Uh, right now, most of our movers, um, I want to say it's around 75, 80% of our, I, I should call them job seekers first. They are interested in moving any time from right now to the next six months with the vast majority of those folks being in that zero to three months time frame. Um, what we're actually seeing in practice, you know, we've seen it in as little as three weeks from the moment they enter the pipeline to the moment they have a job offer, they've moved to North Dakota and they've got, you know, they've got a, a, a home of some sort. Um, otherwise it does take a little, you know, longer, um, six weeks to i would say six to eight weeks is probably the most common for really serious movers for those who are just dipping their toes in the water and starting to think about um what could be next we see it take a little bit longer 
one of the things that we're working to identify now is figure out what is that average and then how do we, uh, as we move forward with this program, how do we make that timeline shorter? How do we shorten that path to yes in North Dakota? And so um, we're developing some strategies now to help expedite that. One of them is more immediate employer engagement because the way our system is set up right now is we connect individuals with community champions who are volunteers around the state who say, I'd love to tell someone about North Dakota or about the community that I'm in. Uh, and then they help connect the job seeker with employers in their industry. But we do have a lot of employers who want to engage more directly with job seekers. And for the job seekers who are not interested in connecting with a community champion, which is fine, that's not for everybody, we do still want them to get connected with employers. So one of the things we're doing right now is building out an employer portal so that we can make those direct introductions. I think that is going to help us decrease the timeline to moving to North Dakota because they'll get a job more quickly. The the tools that you're using and how they've evolved over time, that's not replacing the old kind of job fairs where I remember when the oil patch, when the Bakken really started booming back in 2007 and eight, nine, there were multiple teams where there'd be the Fargo-Moorhead Chamber, the Bismarck Chamber, maybe the North Dakota Chamber, a couple of other large private employers. They would team up and go to Atlanta, they'd go to Chicago, they'd go to a variety of places where there was some type of a big job fair or some other big conference, and they'd pitch North Dakota. I'm assuming that still happens in concert with the tools that you're using digitally to attract people and put them in the pipeline. And so the second part of that question, are you sometimes part of those same traveling teams that go to various places and pitch North Dakota? So we haven't been yet, but I think that that's something that we'll start to, we'll, I think we'll start to see some more participation in the next you know, year and a half as this biennium continues. Find the Good Life is a great asset for entities or employers that are going to those national career fairs to utilize because as someone is looking to make a move, well, maybe they have a, a significant other or children that are coming with them. They probably have questions about the community and the quality of life that might be offered in the place that they're looking at moving to. And so that's where Find the Good Life can be such a tremendous asset to helping these potential newcomers get connected with the community that they're looking to move to. And so I think they work really nicely together and I don't really see it as a one or or the other situation. Immigration. And so that's a hot topic for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's part of life. Um, my grandparents were immigrants. My great, no, no, my great grandparents were immigrants, excuse me. We have a lot of new Americans coming. We have a lot of people that want to become new Americans. Walk us through the Office of Legal Legal Immigration and how that got started, 
where do you think it can take us in solving part of these challenges that we have to fill these wonderful opportunities? Mm -hmm. So the Office of Legal Immigration got started under uh, Senate Bill 2142 in this last legislative session that was introduced um, really without our involvement at the beginning. We we caught wind of it, you know, maybe a night or two before it was introduced. And fortunately, uh, and, and actually when it was first introduced, it was the Office of Healthcare Immigration within the Department of Commerce. So our first concern was hang on, we're not healthcare experts. And also if it's in commerce, it really should be, um, it really should be serving all industries. And so uh, fortunately the legislature was really open to working with us to amend the bill, to get it to a point that was realistic for us to manage. And that had uh, a couple FTEs and the ability to really study this first to make sure we're doing it right. I. I would hate to be in a position where we are opening an office saying, hey, we're open for business and not really knowing what we can or should do, uh, what makes sense for state government in this space. And so right now we are we're about to award a contract to uh, a national or a vendor that's done similar work on a national and international scale that's going to help us throughout the next um, several months to really shape the scope and goals of this office. So we are, I mean, we're really looking forward to that process. We'll have a lot of stakeholder engagements. So we'll be talking with employers, with community organizations, um, organizations that are already serving new American and refugee populations with individuals who have come to North Dakota as you know, as immigrants or refugees. And so uh, we'll be learning for the next several months and we'll have um, more clarity, I would say, next spring. And we'll be able to figure out and communicate what we as a state agency are doing to support immigration and integration of new American populations in our communities and within our companies too. So um, I think that'll be it's exciting. It's exciting for the state. It, it's exciting for the Department of Commerce. We're learning as much as we possibly can, as quickly as we can, because the federal immigration system is incredibly complex. There are a lot of different visa programs. There are a lot of paths to getting a green card. There, and and there are a lot of nuances to each of those pathways. And so we're trying to figure out what makes sense for us as a state agency. What makes sense for North Dakota. And fortunately, we have tremendous resources on a national level that have been helping us. North Dakota is one of 20 states that has a, a similar office. A lot of states call them Office of New Americans. And so there's a national network for these offices that North Dakota is now a part of. And actually next week, two members of our team are going to be heading to Washington, D.C. for a national convening of this network along with USCIS and Department of Homeland Security. And this group has also been invited to the White House to have a bigger conversation about uh, immigration reform and opportunities for immigrant New American workers. So we're really excited about the, the opportunities that are ahead of us. As leaders, here's a philosophy that I've always held close to me and dear to my heart and purpose 
And I wish I could tell you it was original. I actually stole this from someone so many years ago. I don't even remember the person's name to give him credit. But what we're supposed to do, use our resources in a prudent way, where we create an environment that either attracts and or retains talent. Because if we create the environment and everything else is in place, in other words, you have an adequate, dependable supply of water, you have access to world-class health care, you have access to world-class education, you have opportunities that are available, you have reasonably good, if not great leadership. Um, you have all those things in place. I wish I could say that also includes affordable housing and childcare, because sometimes that goes over on the sideline and something we have to deal with. But if we do that well, most other things fall in place and it makes life, I don't want to say um, wonderful, but it, may, it it gives everyone this playing field where you have an opportunity to go out and, and plant a flag for yourself and your family and do something. If if I'm correct when I say that, how could we, those are people that are listening to my seminary and friends, listening to you today, Katie, how could we do a better job helping the state and cities do that very thing to make sure that when you have people coming into the pipeline, it's an easier thumbs up, I'm in. How could we do a better job of helping? Hmm. Well, one of the things that, that came to mind really quickly, outside of the some of the infrastructure things that you mentioned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set that to the side, but as people, as leaders, one of the things I think we need to do is evaluate within our communities what it means to be North Dakota nice versus welcoming. Because moving to a new community is not easy, whether you're moving across North Dakota or you've moved across the country or you've come from around the world. Getting settled in a new community and truly acclimating to your new home is challenging it's uncomfortable and people are friendly for for sure but what does it mean to actually welcome someone to your community and to bring them into the fold and so that's something that we are working on through find the good life through our office of legal immigration is to work with communities to say what do you do to welcome newcomers regardless of where they're coming from we're doing we'll be doing that with companies too to figure out what does it mean to actually welcome people here, make them feel like they are truly a part of our community because that's a huge tool with retention. And so I'll keep it simple on, on that one, but it really comes down to meeting human needs of feeling welcome and accepted mm -hmm. and a part of the community. Can I tell you what I just heard? Yes. Love them. You know, just love people. You know, there's... 
I've been around long enough where there are people I love that I don't really care for a lot, by the way. They, they might not have been very nice to me, but you still have to love them, right? Yep. We're, we're all in this space together. We're all in this struggle together. We're all seeking opportunities. You know, I, I, I cut my arm, you cut your arm, we all bleed red, right? Love people. It just makes life a lot easier. It makes a lot, a lot more tolerable. Um, and <laughs> when you love people, you have people that have your back, too. Katie, here's my last question for you. You have a magic wand. And you can wave it over the heads of every one of those opportunity seekers that have North Dakota on their radar. They're, they're maybe even already in the funnel. <laughs> What's the one thing you really want them to know about North Dakota? Oh, oh gosh. Well, as someone who really loves North Dakota. I do want people to know if I have this magic wand, I would want them to know that North Dakota has something for everybody. North Dakota has something for them and that there are people who want to help them find it. And so I would love to make sure that everyone knows that North Dakota can be home for them. Hmm. Well, that's a wrap right there, isn't it? But I no, think so. <laughs> Katie Ralston Howe, Workforce Development Director for the North Dakota Department of Commerce. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for what you and your team are doing. It's critically important. And uh, I just, I, I'm a fan. I think you're, you got, you're a rock star. You're doing a great job. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. Take good care.